You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. My name is uh, Daniel Kim, and uh, along with myself and Betty Collins, we get to lead the singles ministry here in South Bay. It's so easy to lead the singles ministry here because we're all friends. I love it. But isn't today a hot day? It's hot, huh? I'm sweating. It's so hot. It's so hot out here. I got my water here to keep me cool. I think it was 95 degrees at 10 a.m. But we have a hot topic today. And our topic, if you don't know already, it's going to be money. Elephant in the Room Part 2. But because, you know, the Elephant in the Room series was so... I guess, well-received by you guys and the input we got from you guys. You know, we cover topics like homosexuality, politics, um, what, else we, what happens after you die, marijuana. And these are topics that are kind of out there. And even as Christians here, we, we know about them, but we might not talk about it. Or we might not talk about it with certain people. And so money, money, why is money a taboo? Or why is it an elephant in the room? Well, I think money is probably the most taboo topic out there when I think about it. Uh, we're taught growing up in society how to use money, but we're not, really taught, you know, we're not really taught how to talk about it. Amen? And, you know, no one has to teach us how to spend money, right? I think we got that down at a young age. I think the ladies got that easy, right? And, guys, I knew that was coming. I knew that's why I was, I was coming. I was coming with the guy part. Us two. <laughs> us two. I was trying to say it in one sentences without pauses, but yeah, all of us. <laughs> all of us know how to spend money. No one doesn't have to teach us. Um, but don't ask someone how much they earn, or because it gets kind of weird. Don't ask how much how much they make, because now it gets kind of borderline rude, right? You know, talking about money can make people feel uncomfortable because maybe they're not doing so well in that area. You know, loans, debt, credit card balances, interest rates. Debt collectors coming after you, and they come. You know, money is a touchy subject because money can also be used to compare ourselves, right? It could be a barometer of success or failure. Right? Not, that's not necessarily true, but, you know, these are things that we're going to talk about um, today. And it really just comes down to the many different myths and preconceived notions in our society. It's just the way we grew up. And so today we're not going to talk about how to get out of debt. We're not going to talk about how to invest your money or even what the best savings plan is because I'm not really that qualified. There's way better qualified teachers out there <clears throat> like Mark Steberg. You guys can talk to him later. He did that for a living, so you guys can talk to him. Um, but money is a touchy subject all around. But, you know, but my hope for us today is that we can all learn and focus on the heart of Jesus and understand his biblical perspective on money. Amen? So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll go get started. Uh, Generally, Father, God, thank you for uh, just this morning uh, to live in sunny, 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 sunny side, California. Uh, It's so hot, but God, we are so grateful you wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, Thank you for just letting us live here. Uh, We didn't choose. Thank you for the the church that we have with all our friends and family and loved ones. God, we are so rich, and God, we are so grateful. God, I pray as we talk about, you know, everyone's favorite topic or maybe everyone's not favorite topic, God, I pray that you can just open up our hearts. God, I pray that you can just take me out of the way, uh, that I can just decrease, and that you can increase. God, I pray that you can soften our hearts, and that we can just really see what your biblical approach 
about money is. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's a little cool little picture I found. Where does all my money go? It's like hocus pocus on brokus. I had to put that on there. Who watched Minions here before? And these guys' voices are so funny. Um, but it's true, right? I mean, sometimes we get money, and then it's poof, it's gone. Hocus pocus on brokus. It even rhymes. You know, it can be like that with us sometimes. Money is such a, a well-used thing that is, it just moves every day. I think billions of dollars every single day around the world, billions of dollars are being moved somewhere. It's being transferred or withdrawn or something like that. It's kind of crazy. I want to give you guys some statistics, though. World statistics about money. Almost three-fourths, or 72% of adults, report feeling stressed about money at least some of the time. 32% of adults say their finances prevent them from living a healthy lifestyle. It's crazy. So money is well documented. It's something that the world even keeps a statistic of. You know, and there's, what does God say? You know, money and God, how much is your heart worth? You know, the Bible says you can only serve one and hate the other. All right, it's either Jesus Christ or money. They can't be in the middle. All right, so we all know that. You know, let me give you guys some Bible statistics of money. You know, 16 out of 38 Jesus' parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. That many. Out of 288 Gospels, 10% involved money. 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 verses on faith, and over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So if you notice, did Jesus talk about money a lot? He did, didn't he? You know, and if we're honest, we think about money and possessions a ton too, but I want to ask you guys, why did Jesus put such an emphasis on money? Why? You know, Bible, like we just talked about, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. You know, like I stated at the beginning, there are so many different myths out there about money. But today we're going to tackle, tackle the number one myth out there. And we have this tremendous idea about money that we as finite human beings, and we have this idea that if we don't crush this wrong idea, we'll never blossom and grow into what God wants us to do. So at this time, I have a quick illustration for you guys. If I can have my two uh, volunteers come up. Let's give it up. This guy, Cesar Hernandez, and we got uh, Steve Doyle for you guys. Let's welcome up to the stage here. If I can have you guys, sorry, you guys have to walk so far. If I can have, uh, let's say, Cesar, you can stand right here. What's going on, Cesar? How you doing, man? Looking sharp. And we got Steve Doyle. You're looking comfortable. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> so uh, we got Caesar. Caesar, you just—I think he just came from our Orlando church, and he's originally from Vegas. So let's uh, welcome Caesar in. He came from our singles ministry, and then we guys all know Steve Doyle, right? So I have a little quick demonstration here. Let me pull out something. I have some cash. Put this away. Everyone's like, how much cash? Not a lot of cash. So I have $200, 10 $20 bills. Okay? This is all the cash I have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's all that I withdrew. I'm scared to carry too much cash. All right, so this is probably going to be my most expensive prop. All right, my most expensive visual aid that I'll ever do here. All right, so I'm going to need this back, bro. All right? Um, so I'm going to give this to you, and uh, before I do, let me just kind of illustrate who we got here. So Caesar is going to play uh, and portray and represent you and I, okay? And then we got Steve Doyle 
uh, dressed the way he is, he's going to represent our local banker. Okay? <laughs> this is the comfortable bank. You know, they, got, they just cut all the, all the rules the and they just want to dress comfortable. <laughs> yeah, the beach bank. All right, so here, I'm going to give this to you. And you can just hold on. on. That's to me. Just making sure you don't take my money, man. Um, I know what church you go to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's say that Caesar is our, you know, it's us. He's you and I. And let's say Caesar came to Vegas and, excuse me, came from Vegas and he wanted to start a savings account. And so he goes and walks into the Bank of Doyle and he's going to deposit his $200. Oh, yeah. Look at Steve. Steve looks super happy. So Steve has it. <laughs> so he has the money. And let's say, you know, about a year later, you know, some things came up. Steve wanted to, uh, excuse me, uh, Caesar wanted to, uh, I don't know, what did he want to do? He wanted to go do something spiritual. He wanted to go to a, a conference out in Orlando in 2020. Right. And he needed the $200 back. And let's say he goes back to the Bank of Doyle. <laughs> Look at Steve. Look at him. You go back to the Bank of Doyle, and he walks in, and he sees all the tellers at Bank of Doyle, and they're all wearing shorts. And everyone's face just looks so white. Everyone just looks so, like, kind of timid. And as Caesar walks in, he goes, what's going on? You know, can I, can I talk to my banker? And Steve Doyle's in his room. And so he goes in there. Steve comes in, and he goes, you know, I got some bad news. I got some bad news, Caesar. Can you sit down? And as he sits down, he says, you know what? Our bank, we needed the money. You know, we, we were starving one of these Fridays. And so I bought lunch for everybody. I needed food. You know, I think Steve, you own some dogs, too. And Steve was like, you know, my dog's running out of dog food. So I'm, I bought some, my, you know, my dog some food. How is, how is Caesar going to feel? How are you and I going to feel if you went to the bank and they say they lost our money? How would you feel? What? Yeah, you would feel angry. You would feel angry. You would feel upset. Because when you go to the bank, you expect to get your money back. We don't ever second think that, right? And Caesar's probably thinking, this is like a hidden camera show. This has got to be a joke. You know, but really, he got robbed of his $200. And really, he realized that this is not a joke, that he doesn't have his money. So let's change the perspective a little bit now. Let's say that Caesar is not you and I, and Steve is not the banker, the cool banker here. And let's say Caesar is God, and let's say Steve is you and I. So in reality, it was never our money to begin with. It was God's, wasn't it? God is the owner. Uh, and sometimes we get it twisted thinking that we, it's our money, it's ours, but really God gave it to us so we can manage it. Amen? Thank you, guys. Let's give a hand for these guys. Oh, uh, I'm going to look for you afterwards. I've got to pay rent, so don't leave. So... You know, church, I have a question for you. You know, when it comes to your money, do you view God as the owner? Or do you tend to feel like most of the time you're the owner? You know, do you think God is just on the side and that he is maybe one of your business partners? Or do you really feel like God is the owner? My first point is, uh, before I get to my first point, Psalms chapter 89, verse 11. The heaven is yours, and yours are also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. You know, my first point is, he is the owner, and I am the manager. He is the owner, and I am the manager. 
In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, if you guys can turn there. This is going to be one of our theme passages today. It's going to be coming from the parable of the bags of gold. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30. And you guys get there, say amen. All right, thank you guys. I just want to have a rough idea here. So our passage reads, the pair of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground in his master's money, and hid his master's money, excuse me. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful for a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew where I harvest, where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I, have not, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeesh. Pretty intense, right? So as we read this, you see what the two of the, the, the men did that duplicated their money and used God's money and one that didn't. You know, but this, scripture, this is what the scripture says, but why is it that so many of us still don't see God as the owner? Why? We just read this scripture, but sometimes we can still feel like God's not the owner. You know, oftentimes we have it flipped the other way around, don't we? Instead, we think we're the owners, we're the shot callers, we operate independently. You know, we're a one-man, one-woman show, right? We don't report to anyone except maybe our wives, right? We just, we're just, just one person. You know, understanding that God is the owner and that we're just managers takes a lot of humility and character. And this is probably going to be the toughest thing that I talk about today. That if you can take away one thing today and take away that God is the owner and we're the managers, that's a spiritual victory. That is such a simple concept, but it's so profound, it's so deep, that it will trickle affect everything else that you do. You know, in verse 18, the person that God gave the coin to, he buried it. He didn't faithfully take it and use it. Why? Because he still thought he was the owner. He didn't treat the money like it was God's. He thought it was his. So he made his decisions based on what? 
He made his decisions based off out of fear. You know, fear turns us, turns us into control freaks, doesn't it? Doesn't fear make you scared? And like, well, that's what it means. But doesn't fear make you like crippled and paralyzed? Makes you very afraid. So fear causes spiritual amnesia. You know, we start to forget all the things that God has done for us. And instead, we get caught up focusing on the moment, the problems, the bills, the rent. All right, we just focus on the moment. We don't remember all the good things that God has pulled us from. We don't remember all the victories that God has given. He doesn't give, you don't remember all the, the relationships that God has given to us. We just think about the problem. So we, all of a sudden, we became, we're the manager of our money, and now all of a sudden, we become the owner. You know, if we believe that we're the owner of our money, then we're constantly going to be in conflict with God. You know, there's some of us here that are alpha personalities. When I mean by alpha, we just, we fight till we win. Brothers and sisters. You know, you don't quit. But it really just means that we're prideful. (laughs) Uh, Myself included. But this is one fight you won't win with God. You know, it's going to be a losing battle. God is the owner, period. You know, it's my car. It's not my car. It's God's car. It's my house. It's not my house. It's God's. It's my house. It's, it's my kids. It's not my kids. They're God's kids. Right? You're just managing it for God. You know, the, the, the other two men's heart were so different than the man who buried his coin, wasn't it? In verse 15 or 17, it says, The one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, the man who received five bags of gold, one at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. You know, they used their coins like the way God intended them to do. And God blessed it and multiplied it. You know, I remember when I got my first job after college. I worked at a Care First Health Plan. I think we have one of the Krista who works there as well. Uh, I worked with her for a little while. We were kind of co-workers in different departments. I would come by and say hi. But I remember after college... And what does every college student think about that they want to pay after college? Student loans. And I went to Cal State Long Beach, and fortunately, I still have to take out some student loans. And all I thought about when I got my first job after college was, i got to pay my loans. I can't let the interest rate hit me. I can't. I want to do fun stuff later in life, and I just can't get caught up in that. I just can't. I don't want to be overwhelmed. So I worked so hard. But the problem was, all I cared about was that. That was my focus. I didn't even think about that God was the owner. And the funny thing is, I was praying so hard. It was around uh, 2009, 2010. You guys remember the, uh, the, the economy wasn't doing too well? Nobody wanted to quit their jobs. So as a college student, it was so rough to get a job. Nobody wanted to quit. I'm talking about anywhere, not even like fast food places. It's crazy. But when I got it, I prayed so much, and I fasted, and I'm like, you know what? I really need this job, God. And God gave it to me. And even though God gave me the job, I didn't make the connection that God was the owner. And because I didn't think that God was the owner, I made it all about me. I was working. I worked hard. I put in overtime. I wanted to keep my job, so I wanted to impress my superiors. Um, you know, I wanted to get the next promotion. And it was just so consuming. And even though I made more money then or more hours, I was still stressed out about money. A lot. And the, re- the problem was because I still thought I was the owner. And really, that's what was causing me so much uh, stress. 
You know, one of the biggest breakthroughs and lessons that I learned as a disciple that really changed the way I thought about money was that none of it was mine. It's all God's. Once I began money, looking at money this way, it changed my whole financial outlook and helped me to be more focused on pleasing God with the money entrusted to me. Why? Because I realized that it wasn't my money anymore. It's not my money. When I had to give tithes, I mean, when, when we talk about that later, I used to feel like, oh, man, how am I going to take this into my budget? But I realized that it's God's money, and if I can just manage it and use it for God's good, all of a sudden, my heart changed, my perspective changed, my values changed, because then it wasn't about me anymore. It was about who? It was about God. You know, I wanted to help out a brother. If he didn't have money for, uh, to go out to eat, I'll take him out. You know, it just was different things. And that doesn't mean that I don't stress about money now. It just means that I've, had, I've come a long way. And this, you know, when I'm preaching today, I'm preaching to myself, too, that at times I still can stress about money. You know, I have to be constantly reminded that I'm not the owner of my money. Amen? And it's really like a mind change. It's like repentance, you know, like a paradigm shift, and everything just begins to click. You know, once you experience to realize that God is the owner and you're the manager, you become like the two men here, and God will multiply your obedience. How's that sound? Sounds good, right? It's going to help you to grow in your faithfulness. It's going to help you become more faithful because of your victories. And it's going to give you freedom from idolatry, not to hold on to things. Because you only hold on to things when you think it's yours. That's when God asks you to give something up, you'll gladly do it because you know it's not yours. Amen? Second point is, point number two, as a manager, I have divine responsibilities. So first point was that God is the owner. Now, what about me? What about us? So as a manager, I have divine responsibility. You know, I'm a manager at my current company. I, I work for the church part-time, and I also uh, work for my, uh, my boss, my employer. Uh, we are a hospice software company, and I'm a regional sales manager over here. And I have to learn how to manage our sales, our quotas in different places, in different states. And it's taught me a lot, you know, that... I have to be responsible. It, it all starts with me. If I don't manage, what happens at the end of the day? It's going to come back to me. And so I learned a lot as that. And so we're going to learn in this uh, parable here, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21, the parable of the ritual. You guys can turn there again. You guys still alive out there? You guys still alive? hope I didn't scare you with money talk. I know it's not everyone's favorite topic, but this is what Jesus expects. Amen? Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21. Say amen when you get there. All right. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus again. Surplus grain, excuse me. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat Drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. 
then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. You know, the rich man in this parable, he didn't realize that he had a divine responsibility. He didn't. If you look at back at the scripture here, it was always about who? It was always about himself. He thought to himself, what should he do? He doesn't have a place to store his extra crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'm just going to tear down my old barns, and I'm going to make bigger ones. All right? He said, this is what I want to do, so ultimately I can just chill out <laughs> and plan for the future. When, when you look at it from a different angle, you know, when you look at it, is that really a bad thing? Is that really such a bad thing to want to plan for the future? He had too much crops that he had an abundant harvest, so he wanted to, his barns couldn't fill up anymore, so he wanted to break that one down and make a bigger one. No, it just makes sense financially. But Jesus is not talking about that. He's not talking about planning. You know, but we can be like this rich man too, can't we? You know, maybe not like farm crops, but in other ways. We save for retirements, 401ks, Roth IRAs, pensions, mutual funds. Save for our kids' college tuition. Are these, all, are these things bad? No, they're not bad. In fact, they're good. They can help you down the road. But when we get too focused on ourselves and we start forgetting even the needs around us, I'm talking about even just locally, not, you know, we'll talk about, you know, Storm Harvey and all that, but just even locally, then we're missing the big picture. You know, now that we all know that God is the owner, how should we respond about managing his money? You know, if someone truly repented from this, how would they view their responsibility as a manager? How would their priorities change? Well, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats brim with new wine. You know, and there's so many different angles, guys. As I was putting this lesson together, uh, I, you know, I prayed a lot. And, um, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of this I'm preaching to myself. There's just so many different angles you can take with money. We could actually do a whole sermon series on money. But today I'm going to focus on just a few things that I feel like God has placed on my heart. Okay? And you can't talk about money without talking about tithes. Amen? So tithes in our weekly giving, you know, we have a divine responsibility to our local church. You know, we all have the responsibility and opportunity to build up the church. It's an act of worship, which could be a whole other separate sermon. You know, and, and we're not going to go into it today because we don't have the time. But, you know, it says in the Bible in Malachi and other passages, you know, it was 10% of whatever they made. So if they had 10 cattle back in the day coming out of the, the barns, they'd give one healthy fat cattle to God. And that's just what the, the law was. And in the same way, you know, we, you know 10% is, you know, there's, there can be a, a huge topic on that. But I want to follow what the Bible says, amen? And, you know, we're not building our own lives and our own empires or our own careers we're also continuing the work that Christ left off. Amen? You know, so th- this passage says, take off from the top and give the rest to God. Now, how can we become, have, how can we get, a, how can we, uh, excuse me, how can we have a difficult time with this? Well, we can have a difficult time if we still think that we're the owners. Remember that? If we still think the money is ours and we're the owner, then we're still going to have a hard time with this. You know, like I said, those times that, uh, Early on as a disciple, someone had to talk to me about tithes and giving that I just didn't get. Like, why? Why do I have to give 10%? I don't even make a lot. I just got out of college. 
It doesn't make any sense. But I still thought that the money was mine. So when you come and get that breakthrough that it's really not your money, and God's only asking for 10%, and you get to keep the 90, it's a whole different perspective. Whole different perspective. So it gets challenging if you're still struggling with our first point. And I told you that's going to be the hardest point. The hardest thing to uh, take away here and, and, and fully uh, get to God. But if you can get that, it will pay huge dividends. You know, this rich ruler missed it. He said that this is what I'll do for myself, me, my, me myself, and I. He didn't feel the weight of divine responsibility because he was so focused on himself. God has entrusted us with money. Do you feel the weight of what you've been entrusted? Do you, can, do you actually feel that weight? Like when you come to church or when you go on about your day, do you feel the weight of like, man, God is asking for my 10%. Like, do you feel that weight? Or you don't. And some of us, again, I'm, not, you know, I'm just preaching you know, in general here. Some of us do a great job with that. You know, thank you guys so much. You guys, I've said it in the past sermons, but you guys are such a great example to all of us who's been giving their tithes year in, year out for 20, 10 years. 20, 10, 50 years. You know, we really appreciate that. And the example that you set, it's admirable. You know, I also want to talk to the people that maybe haven't been doing a great job in this area. And, you know, for many different reasons. You know, I'm not saying, you know, uh, you're going to hell, but (laughs) it doesn't say you're going to hell. But at the same time, God puts so much emphasis on your wealth. And to be careful here. You know, at the end of the day, it's really more for our hearts. You know, there are plenty of things that I pay for every month that sometimes I waste. And I think about, why do I have a subscription to that? Netflix. You guys ever have a Netflix account and then you don't watch it <laughs> and months pass? You guys ever have a gym membership that you guys have that you guys sometimes don't go to? There's so many things that we just waste. That could be giving in towards, towards our, uh, our tithe here. You know, giving your tithes to God is a way of an act of obedience. And that pleases God. You know, another point that I kind of wanted, it was on my heart to share today, was in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. Just remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, there's many ways to honor God, right? There's not just money. You can give it with your talents. You can do it with your time. You can do it with your skills. But money is one way that you can honor God. It is one way. God is saying that. But sometimes, you know, I got it. You know, I used to do this saying. I used to say, oh, man, sometimes I got I to gotta budget correctly because I got to pay my tithes this week. What's wrong with that statement? What was that? Sometimes I hear, oh, yeah, I got to pay my tithes. Well, something doesn't sound right about that about statement. You don't pay your tithes. It's not a fee or a payment. You know, it's a gift to God. We, what, what do we do? We give our tithes. But I think that says a lot, even if you say that word accidentally, because I used to say that all the time. i got to pay my tithes. i got to pay my tithes. It used to be part of my budget. And I don't think that made me a cheerful giver because my concept was i got to give this and pay it instead of, you know what, I'm giving back God what's his. You know, there's a huge, huge correlation there. You know, it's not a fee. It's not a payment. It's a gift. It's a gift to God that's already his. It all belongs to God, remember? He's the owner. So that's all I wanted to talk about with tithes. We can go on for days. Um, if you have any more questions, you can study it out. But it's, there's so many scriptures on giving.
in the, uh, the act of worship. Amen? Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 40. You know what? We're not going to have time to read all this, but basically you guys can go in and note that down and come back and read this. But he talks about how if you're hungry, you gave me something to eat. If you were thirsty, you gave me something to drink. If you did this for anyone else, it's like you're doing it for me. That's what God was saying. And Hurricane Harvey, you know, we have a divine responsibility to the poor and needy, don't we? That was one of the biggest storms in the Midwest. It was crazy. You know, uh, one of my best friends, Tommy Tang, he lives in Houston. He's an evangelist out there. And he told me how bad it really was. It's pretty bad. It's really, really bad in some areas. Luckily for his house and his family, it's okay. But he's been serving the last four or five days out there and um, helping with the volunteer team. He told me he went out there, and a couple of days, they refused some of the volunteers and had to send them back home because there's too many volunteers. That's how much help they were getting. And, you know, how much more does that call us as disciples? You know, Jesus calls us to be a beacon of light. Amen? So if everyone else is doing that, you know, we got to do something. And I'm not saying, guys, go out there and fly to Houston, or I'm not saying go donate a lot of money to them. That's Harvey, and if you can help out and contribute it, you know, they would, I know they would appreciate that. But I'm talking about even more locally, in our grounds, in our territory, in our church. How are we doing in this area of our responsibility to giving to, giving to the poor? You know, I'll be honest, I've shared it before, but this is not one of my strengths. You know, I forget to give to the poor sometimes. You know, if I'm driving and I see somebody that needs the money, I'll give it to them. Or I'll try to buy them food. But it's not in my mindset um, to think, like, how am I going to serve the poor this month? How am I going to go out there and do something? I, don't, I just don't think that way. Um, and it's just something I still want to grow in. But I appreciate so many of you guys that do. Some of us, this is like effortless for you guys. This is easy. You know, I talked about it before. Um, the Casillas do a really good job of doing that. And I do want to go. I don't want to be here at every sermon saying that I want to do that and I don't go. But I do want to go up and, and help with the, the serving out there. But how are we all doing in this area? You know, what are some ways that we can do uh, serve more in our South Bay church? Amen? And this is just us being a beacon of light. You know, when you're a beacon of light, you know, you illuminate. People, you attract people to you because it's so bright. You know, let this be us. Let us try to be an example like this. You know, and the last thing I wanted to talk about today, and I just wanted to kind of just throw in there, was just our finances. You know, we have a divine responsibility of God's money. You know, again, who's the owner? You know, we have to be even responsible in our finances. It's something that can be so overlooked. You know, some of us might even feel like right now, feel embarrassed as I'm talking about this, or feel challenged. And my goal is not to make you feel embarrassed, but challenged, you know, that's not coming from me. That's coming from God. You know, I just want to ask you, if, you, if you're struggling in this area, how do you know you're struggling? You know, I, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the, the budget guru. But I do know that if you're trying to pay off a certain debt, and that's your goal, and you just can't pay it off, doesn't that mean something's wrong with your budget? Right? If you're trying to save an X amount of dollars for something and you just can't get there no matter how many years, doesn't that mean that something's wrong in your budget? Right? Or maybe your goals are unrealistic. There's something wrong. Something doesn't match up. And I always think with money, and I was always taught this, you know, um, when I first became a disciple, and I, I really uh, respected the conversation, is that you should always have someone helping you out with your money. Not everyone, but somebody. Because there's so many great people that can help you with your finances that you don't have to struggle on your own. 
And so when was the last time you invited a spiritual man or woman into your life, into your financial life? You know, just think about that. When was the last time? You know, even if you're doing well, because some of us, I know we're doing a great job and I'm probably preaching to the choir here. But others, you know, when was the last time you've done that? And I can tell you when I, when I did that, after I graduated college, it's been the best thing for me. Just knowing where my money goes, knowing that I know what I'm saving, how much I'm giving to God, and how much I'm paying to debt. So it's a liberating feeling. Amen? So there's, the good news is, guys, there's so many great people in this room. So many. So many people here that I respect that I know that are doing great in their finances. Guys, go after them. They might be sitting to your left, and they might be sitting to your right. Think about it. Go after those things. God really wants to bless you in this area. So I've got two quick practicals here for you guys today. First practical is make a list of all the things that you're grateful for and pray that God helps you to have the right perspective when it comes to ownership. If you're already doing a great job in this area, amen. Keep it up. And if you're not, you know, maybe you have to pray harder. Maybe you've got to write some things that you're more grateful for. Because if you can get this point here, if you can get this concept that God is the owner and it's not you, it will change your life. I promise. That's just a given. It's changed my life. Okay, when you realize that it's not your own money that you're using. Second practical is pick a divine responsibility that you want to grow in. Maybe it's your tithes and giving. Maybe that's an area that hasn't been doing the best. That's okay. You can always repent and, and change. Maybe it's serving the poor like myself. I'm not great in this area, and I want to get more involved. Maybe it's just your finances. And again, I know it's embarrassing to open up your finances, but maybe it's a good thing. Maybe God's speaking to you today, telling you, hey, you know, maybe this, is the, this was the warning or this was the sign. You know, because we're just not taught how to do our finances. Some of us are, and some of us aren't. And if you don't learn, you're not able to t- teach your kids and your kids' kids, and it's going to continue the domino effect, Right? Um, If there's a desperate area in one of these areas that you need help in, the first step is reaching out to someone and inviting them to help you. Amen. So that's my lesson today. I hope you guys got something out of it. And I hope that this is something that you guys can go back to and continue to study out. Amen. So at this time, I'm going to transition quickly to communion. You can turn your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, this passage is so powerful. I mean, so short, but it it speaks so much to me. It says, Jesus Christ, although he was rich, but for your sake and my sake, he became poor. How? Well, God was immortal. God was indestructible. But he turned himself into a flawed man, a human being. You know, so that we can become rich, that we might have a chance to go to heaven, that we might have a chance to have a relationship with him. And when you think about that concept of money today, you know, we talk about poor and rich. At the end of the day, if we're all in Jesus, we're all, it, we're all rich, amen? And so I want us to think about that as we meditate and we take communion. You know, as you pray, think about how you are so rich. I don't know what your finances are. I don't know what your current situation is with money. But with that we are so rich because of the ultimate sacrifice that God has given. Let's go to God. Uh, Generally, Father, thank you for just this day and this morning again. Thank you for just uh, what we got to hear today. God, I pray that it just impacted our hearts in some way. 
Um, at the end of the day, God, that you can get the glory. Help us to remember that, God, you're the owner and we're just the managers. And that everything that's coming, that we have, comes from you. Father, I pray, I pray that we, as we take communion today, that we can think about how rich we really are in you. Uh, before, God, we were so poor. Uh, we, we were lost in our way. But, God, we have so much in our relationship with you now. Thank you for uh, a relationship. Thank you for a chance to go to heaven. Thank you for the relationships. Thank you for fixing our lives, our marriages, our, our parenting. Um, God, just so many different things that we have in our hearts, our insecurities. God, that you continue to mend and mold and, and change. God, we are so grateful that there's no money that we can give you that will ever repay back what you've done for us. So God, I pray as we take the bread that represents the sacrifice of your body and the juice that represents your blood, I pray that we can really think about you and be grateful in just how rich we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.